Self-service is your cosmic comfort zone. An inner beauty school where self-care is celebrated, where getting real with emotions is a treat, and an interest in thoughtful, funny conversations, weird wellness, and astrology is unabashed. It's where being a little self-indulgent isn't just a shame-free act of love. It's a necessary launchpad into a life that's wholly ours. In a world where we feel good about taking up space. Here, we serve our hearts. We learn. We talk shit. We grow. And we tune the F up. Self-service. Hi, angels. Another week down. We made it. I'm Jericho Mandiba, the editorial director of Girlboss, and your pal in all things self-care, healing, and spirituality, if you're into that, which I'm pretty sure you are. Otherwise, why are you listening? (laughs) Just kidding. Props if you're not as well. My guest today is a tarot reader and a tarot creator. She illustrates her own decks and oracle decks. And wow, they're like really something. Her name is Mary Evans. And if you search the hashtag Spirit Speak Tarot, you'll see exactly what I mean. She's like this ever-expanding creative force. And I'm so glad we could speak to her. Meanwhile, guess what's happening in astrology this week? It's Mercury Retrograde. It's not scary. Stay calm. In fact, it could even be good for your growth. Mercury retrograde is like such a buzzy astrological phenomenon, as I'm sure you know, and our astrologer, Jessica Lanyardo, and I have received more than one inquiry about what it all means. So stay tuned for her thoughts on that. Until then, we're going to do what we always do on a Sunday, and that's a very quick one-card tarot reading where we might gauge some insight into the wisdom our experiences in the week ahead hold. And the tarot card we've pulled for today and this week is the Ace of Pentacles in tarot. The aces of each suit represent the qualities of that suit in their like purest, most unadulterated forms. They're like this window of opportunity that points to like a much greater journey. They're like containers or like the seed of an idea that has the potential to kind of like explode and and change everything really. The Ace of Pentacles is like a key to abundance in the Rider Waite Smith deck. There's literally a doorway into this like secret garden in the picture and a divine hand that's coming out of the sky with this like sacred pentacle gift. Pentacles representing nature and the everyday earthly world. Yes, that includes money (laughs) and it also includes work, but it also includes your environment, your health, your body, sex, food, any raw materials that you might have at your disposal to help manifest the life that you want and deserve to live. What do you think of when you think of words like prosperity, security, practicality? I would encourage you this week if you want to take time to think about your emotional relationship to these words as it is, and more importantly, to these words as you want it to be. This card wants us to appreciate and embrace our five senses and our physical reality And it says the universe or spirit or like whatever you want to call it wants you to know that you have a right to the things that you need. 
you might want to try working with an affirmation like, I have the power to manifest all my dreams and ambitions that are in my highest good. Because you obviously really do. Don't be afraid to sow a seed for the future this week. And if you want to talk about how it goes, hit me up. True story, you guys. I moved house earlier this week with my girlfriend and our fur baby, and it's going great. Thank you for asking. But between working, podcasting, and attempting self-care, I've been too busy to consider making it my own home. That's why our partners at Havenly are such lifesavers. They make home decor and design that much easier. And while you may think an interior designer is just for the super rich, you're wrong. Havenly helps you do it on a budget and it's super easy. Basically, you start by taking a fun style quiz and then you're matched up with the perfect interior designer to create a beautiful design based on your unique style and space, like Queer Eye. You can then just buy what you love directly through Havenly's platform with access to hundreds of retailers and the guaranteed best prices. Seriously, prices start at just $79 per room and Havenly can help you every step of the way using your budget and your style to create the dwelling of your dreams. (laughs) So turn your Pinterest board into a reality. Try Havenly today by visiting havenly.com slash self-service and you'll get 25% off your design package. That's H-A-V-E-N-L-Y dot com slash self-service for 25% off. Havenly.com slash self-service. As you may or may not know, Girlboss is growing a lot, but finding great talent can be like a real pain. Looking for the perfect candidate is kind of a bummer when you can't find them. It's like a slow and arduous process, and I kind of hate it, even though I love the payoff. Our partners at ZipRecruiter have a smarter way, though, thank God. They're a platform that finds the right job candidates for you. ZipRecruiter learns what you're looking for, identifies people with the right experience, and invites them to apply directly for your job. It's kind of a revolutionary way to hire. In fact, 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. And they even spotlight the strongest applications you receive, so you never miss a great match. The right candidates are out there. ZipRecruiter is how you find them. And guess what? Right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash girlboss. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash girlboss. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. My guest today is an artist, a jewellery maker and a zine maker, a fellow tarot reader and the creator of cult favourite Spirit Speak and Divinar Tarot decks, as well as the very healing IRS Vessel and Road to Nowhere Oracle decks. Yes, all of those decks you've probably fawned over on Instagram are made by the same person, a Joshua Tree dwelling Gemini babe by the name of Mary Elizabeth Evans. And she joins us now. Hi, Mary. Hi, thank you for that introduction. That's great. (laughs) Thank you for being on the show today. I'd love to start by asking you about what your journey with tarot has been like. Like, when did you first discover it? And at what point did you think, you know, I have something to offer this tradition creatively? Yeah, well, it's an interesting story because I was gifted my first tarot deck when I was really young, around 12, from my older brother. But I grew up in a Uh very Christian, very religious home. It's pretty conservative. So 
I remember, and I don't know why he had it. He didn't read tarot, but he walked into my room and handed it to me like, do you want this? I'm like, uh, yeah. But I kind of hid it away for a long time because <laughs> I'm like, I don't feel like I should have this. But I ended up carrying it with me. Same. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I carried it with me when I left home and kind of like looked at it and was fiddling with it. And in my early 20s, I started kind of trying to teach myself and learn tarot. And since that time, I became more and more self-taught, more and more interested. But I felt that the decks that I was using, which were based off of traditional writer weight, my, my first deck that I really started using was the Golden Tarot, which is like medieval collage of mm-hmm. like medieval paintings. It's a collage deck. And I would research these cards that I would pull and I'm like, how would I ever guess <laughs> the symbolism that's in here? Like the white rose on the left is mm-hmm. this. I'm just like, that's not that obvious for me. So I think that disconnect is when I became interested in making my own deck, something that was a little bit more simplified and modern that when I looked at it, I could gather the feeling or the understanding a little bit more easily from you know, the decks that I was using uh, when I first started. Yeah. And your decks, like, especially the Iris deck, which I'm like the most familiar with, they really just bring up a lot of like strong feelings. Like you can kind of look at them and, and know exactly like the the feeling or the um, message that they're trying to communicate. When you first began designing decks, like how intuitive was the process? Like how did you kind of like know like what to, how to illustrate these things? Mm, yeah, good question. I mean, I think with my first deck, the Spirit Speak deck, I was still learning a lot. At that time, I never gave a tarot reading without having like a booklet handy because I was so insecure about my ability to read the cards. And making that deck was a huge learning process for me. And I kind of had a formula of spending time with each card and then thinking about, okay, here's its traditional interpretation. What does it mean for me? And then how would I illustrate that? So that one was a little bit more formulaic. But when I got into doing the Oracle decks, the process became a lot more intuitive because there wasn't these preconceived archetypes uh, that, you know, date Mm -hmm. way back of the tarot. I wasn't using them anymore. Although I was drawing from that background, I would just kind of sit Mm -hmm. and be like, give me an image (laughs) or like, Mm -hmm. you know, what would I intuitively draw at this moment? And then later kind of decipher the meaning. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm really glad that you say that Iris kind of jumps out in that way because that's always my intention to make my cards, the understanding easily accessible. And that particular deck was very intuitive, the process. I didn't have any planning of like, and here's the titles or here's how many cards. It was sort of just like letting it filter through. Wow. And with that said, how important is your art making in terms of like taking care of yourself and for other people what role do you think visual expression and stuff like free drawing can play um, when it comes to self-care it's incredibly important for me (laughs) sometimes (laughs) I forget because making art and drawing is also part of my business and my job now so it's Mm. a balance for me but if I go 
for a while without making art, I feel the tax that it has on my mental health and my body. I start to just get generally cranky and I'm like, why am I so upset? And then I'll sit down and do some artwork and I'm like, oh yeah, because I wasn't having the discussion I need to have with myself. And that's kind of how my art works for me is it's a way for me to decompress, to self-reflect and sort of look into what's going on with me at that current time. And I think, you know, others can use art practice, even if they don't feel like they're an artist or they can't draw. I think that this whole like can't draw thing Mm. is not real. Like, I think I love the most naive, like scribbly (laughs) drawings that there are. (laughs) And Sometimes I just encourage people to use whatever medium and just play with it. And then later, almost interview that image, like ask that image, like why it came to you? Mm. What is it trying to say to you? And I think you can get a lot of valuable information from that, not trying to make a beautiful drawing or make some, you know, grand work, but just to practice. Mm. Yeah, that's such a great thing for everybody to try, I think. And speaking of this kind of like can't draw mentality, like as someone who's carved out your own path in the tarot community, what advice would you have for anyone listening who might want to try teaching themselves how to learn tarot, but they they have that same kind of feeling of intimidation? I completely understand. <laughs> I understand <laughs> so much because when I started, I was, yeah, like, totally humiliated by the idea of like having to read tarot on my own without having like, you know, internet resources or the books. And I just, I kind of felt like to be a tarot reader, you had to be like this older, wise witch, like living in the woods, studying tarot (laughs) her whole life. And what I discovered through making my first deck is that's completely untrue. And anyone who tells you that is just I think wrong. (laughs) Just run away. Just stay away. That's not the kind of witches you want to be around. Mm -hmm. But I think I understand why that happens. But I also feel that if we simplify it to just basic symbolism, everyone has access to look at a symbol and understand what it means to them. And I use a really like plain analogy of like a rainy cloud. You know, if someone sees a card Mm -hmm. with a rainy cloud on it and you know, it doesn't have a title or a name, you can understand what that means to you. And, you know, every tarot reader is different. Every reader has a different interpretation, but they can all get valuable information from symbols. And if we look at the different ways that cultures all over the world interpret symbols differently, you know, you can have a little Mm -hmm. bit of freedom there of like, you're going to interpret the symbols that you see based on your personal experience in life, your personal encyclopedia of symbols that you have. And so when I teach, yeah. I often encourage students to like cover up the name of the card and just look at the symbols mm-hmm. that they're seeing and sort of try and interpret from there and, and gather a little bit of uh, freedom from just not having the idea of like the tarot behind just mm-hmm. symbols and images. Mm-hmm. I think one of the most important things in learning is to have that autonomy an authority over your own interpretation, which I know is hard. It's like easier said than done. But in practicing, Mm. I think uh, I often encourage my students to kind of have that as a goal. That's really great. This is a potentially really annoying follow-up question. (laughs) And I say it with love as someone who who feels it a lot too. But how do you believe that tarot actually works for you personally? Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's a very hard question. It's one that I am asked often and Mm -hmm. 
You know, to be honest, I feel like there is magic behind it. Like I want to have some sort of like psychological map of why it works for people. But I've been reading tarot for around six years now. And there's still every time I read people's cards, there's sort of an unexplainable connection that comes mm -hmm. from me through the cards to them, which is something I can't explain. But as mm -hmm. far as its properties to heal and help people, I think, you know, I, I do believe that tarot kind of serves as this grassroots psychology. Not everyone may have access to see a psychologist or see a therapist, but you can, you know, purchase mm -hmm. a tarot deck or find your buddy who has one and spend the time to really sit down and talk with them. And sometimes it's not even about the magic of the cards, but it's about having that space of like you and I are here and we're talking about what's really going on between you and I'm holding this space for you and I'm being accountable for you right now. And I think, mm -hmm. you know, everyone has, it's not about being psychic or being a tarot reader, but it's about the fact that everyone has the capability to self-reflect. And I think the cards are sort of a tool for us to get to that place. Yeah, I agree 100%. And that's so beautiful. Thank you for sharing. Mm -hmm. Last question. Is there a particular tarot card you're working with right now or like a, a tarot card you're drawn to right now that you can share with us? Yes, um, there is. So each year is assigned to a different card. And so last year it was the Wheel mm -hmm. of Fortune, the number 10. And the Wheel of Fortune represents like really drastic night and day changes, kind of unpredictability, but ultimately the affirmation being that you don't necessarily have control over fate, but you do have control over your actions and response to. And I, I saw that reflected very mm -hmm. strongly in the world around me last year and just the changes that took place. Yeah. And this year is the justice year. So that's kind of the card I've been working with. And so far, you know, justice being about balance and also serving as that just wisdom in your own life. I've been seeing a lot of issues with friends and also myself of sort of boundaries, mm. boundary work and rebalancing. Um, because I feel like justice is one of those like capital N O cards. It's kind of like <laughs> standing up. Because if, if you think about a justice in the court of law, they have these two very convincing arguments coming towards them. And of course, both sides want to win. It's up to the justice themselves to stay strong in their moral code and um, what they believe to be the best thing for, I mean, in the court of law, like all of humanity, but on a smaller scale for yourself, for you and your life, really staying strong to that compass. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Mary, thank you so, so much for being here. It's been yeah, a delight. Thank you. <laughs> Where can people oh, learn more you. about Spirit Speak Tarot online? Yeah, well, you can check out my website. It's www.spirit-speak. And I also post little tidbits on Instagram occasionally, and that's at spirit.speak. Hopefully, I'm thinking with everything that I've done this far with the decks, I'd like to write a little bit more, give people more information. So hopefully I'll have something coming soon, like a book or something that is like a little bit more literature. Oh, amazing. I so look forward to it. Thank <laughs> you, Mary. Thank you. Mercury retrograde, two words that strike fear into the hearts of 
particularly extra fans of astrology and launch a thousand memes and tweets every time Mercury starts orbiting backwards for a little while. Naturally, self-service listeners who are into this segment enough to DM our astrologer Jessica Lenyardo or myself or use the hashtag self-service podcast have brought it up and they want answers. What is this thing? So now Jessica's going to give it to them as well as some information on what we can expect this week energetically. Thanks, Jericho. And thank you, everybody, for tuning in for more self-service. So this week, we got a question about Mercury retrograde because Mercury again goes retrograde on March 22nd, and it'll stay retrograde until the 15th. So let me tell you what Mercury retrograde is. But first, I got to tell you what Mercury is. Mercury is a planet. And in astrology, Mercury governs communications. So when I say communications, it's not just what you say. It's what you text. It's what you email. It's what you're thinking. It's your attitude. And it's your tone of voice. What you believe, not from a spiritual or idealistic place, but analytically, what you cerebrally believe and how you process information is Mercury. And When Mercury goes retrograde, and let me tell you, it is never in retrograde, it goes retrograde. Basically, what it means is is that it, it is decreasing in longitude as viewed from the Earth. That's what it means when it's going retrograde on a on a material plane. And what it means for our experience is things get hella janky. Your texts don't go through, you tell somebody to meet you at, you know, first and north, and they're on one corner and you're on the other, and you both feel stood up we tend to lose lose out on details and have more miscommunications, which is part of why it's such a big deal and people are always so nervous about it because it can really be an inconvenience. In regards to technology, it can also be kind of a bummer because we tend to have more IT problems during Mercury retrograde periods. And generally speaking, projects are better not started during a Mercury retrograde period. Although, don't have a panic attack if you have to sign a contract or you have to start something new during this period, it's totally okay. You just want to triple check the details and reiterate what you understand to people so they have an easy chance to tell you that you totally misunderstood if you did. What Mercury retrograde is really good for is to reflect back, okay? What it's really good to do during a Mercury retrograde is to unplug Life is so full of chatter between social media and like the way we communicate with, you know, our employers and our teams and, you know, teachers and all that kind of stuff. We're constantly supposed to be open to communication and available. And it's exhausting. I mean, there's a lot of great things about it, but it can be really exhausting. And so during a Mercury retrograde period is a good time to give yourself a little extra space and to not lean so heavily on connecting with people and communicating with people. It's a good time to refer back inside of yourself, to look back at the past and review. So this is something for you to be thinking about during the Mercury retrograde period. And we'll return to it because it's gonna be retrograde for a little while and it happens frequently. So I, I should also tell you guys that the Mercury retrograde happens like three, four times a year. So it's not the end of the world. It's not going to, you know, stop the presses or whatever, but it is a good thing to stay mindful of. That all said, I'd love to give you your horoscope for the week. So first thing I'm going to tell you is that we have a lovely Mercury conjunction to Venus from the 18th to the 20th. And then on the 20th, 
we move into Aries season, which is springtime. It's a really exciting time of openings. And because we also have this Mercury-Venus conjunction, this is just going to be a lovely couple of days, especially if you have things to do, because you're going to be able to get them done and feel like you're collaborating with others as you do it. On the 22nd is when Mercury goes retrograde. And this is where, again, you want to not rely too heavily on connecting with others, but you want to really check back in with yourself. And that is when things get complicated, my friends. From the 22nd to the 24th, we have Venus in Aries squared to Pluto in Capricorn. And then from the 23rd to the 25th, so we have an overlap of these two transits, we have a Sun square to Mars, also Sun in Aries square to Mars in Capricorn. And so here's where things get tricky because both of these transits have a tendency of making us defensive and low-key paranoid. Well, actually, you can get really paranoid depending on your personality and where it's hitting in your chart. The thing about these transits is they can incline us to look for evidence of why we feel bad. And if you don't have healthy ways of releasing your stressful energy, you may end up picking fights or taking the bait when someone else is doing this with you. The tricky thing about astrology, when we're not looking at your individual chart, but we're looking at the astrology of the week, is we're talking about the astrology that's impacting everyone. So you're not going to be the only person feeling these feelings. It's going to be kind of everyone around you. So it's a perfect storm for power struggles. So a great thing to do over these dates is to really look at your self-esteem and your self-worth. To really ask yourself, do you believe that you deserve to be treated well? Do you believe that you deserve to take a stand and to take care of yourself? Because if you don't believe that you do, or if you believe you deserve more than anyone else, you're going to encounter people in situations that challenge that. And instead of just fighting against the challenge, really look at yourself. Because again, we've got this Mercury retrograde that's supporting us and looking inside. So do it. Don't prove yourself to anyone. Don't prove yourself to yourself. Just do your best. You don't need proof to be a good person or to, to like or love yourself. It's about really loving yourself and then acting in ways that reflect that love. That's where the happiness comes from and that's where real success comes from. So homework for this week is if you find yourself hooked on obsessions and if you find yourself hooked on things that are annoying you, review what's going on, reassess your attitudes or even your actions and refine them. That's what we're going for here. A great intention to set for yourself is to look at your own patterns. Look at your part because self-awareness doesn't change things overnight. It does. If you're dealing with someone that's difficult, it doesn't, you know, make them easy, but it opens up doorways for you to be able to see new ways of interacting or new choices that you can make in old situations. And that's where life gets easier to bear. Okay. So that's your horoscope for the week. If you want more woo with me, you can find me online at many places. Of course, read my horoscope at Girlboss. You can also read my weeklies on my website. Follow me at Twitter and on Instagram. So my website's at lovelanyato.com. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Jessica Lanyato. Thanks so much. Talk to you next week. That's it. Thank you, babies. Thank you, Jessica. And thank you, Mary, for joining me this week. It was a guess. If you're liking what you hear, 
how about reading, reviewing, or sharing this podcast as a form of self-care? <laughs> Kidding. But by all means, do it if you want to. You can also follow at Girlboss Radio if you want to, which is the podcast network we belong to. Or you can at Jericho.Mandiba on Instagram if you want to follow me. Bye.